Web Skeleton. This week's guest is Dave Control Live, aka Dave Klein, um, a former guest of the podcast, Scott McCalla, uh kind of put me in touch with Dave, and Dave agreed to come on and do the show, and I'm really excited for this episode. Um, we talk a lot about music, and we talk a lot about the Souls games, of course, and we just have a good time all around. As always, if you'd like to be on the podcast, send me an email, dguspodcast at gmail.com, and enjoy the episode. Souls game that you ever played or first from software game? The first from software game. Well, first from software game I ever played was Kingsfield 1 on the PlayStation. And wow. as technically Kingsfield 2, uh because but it was the first American one. It was just Kingsfield. So, yeah, one of my friends got it when I was in elementary. I think it was elementary school, and he picked it up and he couldn't kill any of the enemies. He didn't realize you had to hit them multiple times to kill them. <laughs> so and he was just like this game is really hard and i liked hard games so we used to dig into hard games together and he knew i was like i was pretty much the best video game player at my school so he invited me over to check it out and i figured out hey you can kill an enemy by hitting it multiple times what do you know so <laughs> um yeah from there i just I, we fell in love with the game i mean it's kind of it's a little horrific at least for a playstation one era time for the era it was kind of it was scary and being in elementary school but we loved it we dug that aspect of it I, we'd have sleepovers and just play the game all nights and I, I have super fond memories of that game it's actually one of my favorite games it got really slammed review wise but i love it all of those early from software games like the shadow tower games and kingsfield games like the reviewers just hated them something about the either the controls or the first person kind of dungeon crawling like it going back and looking at reviews it was it's all very very bad yeah i think it's that they're a little slower like as as far as movement goes it's very slow and turning slow and it was before analog sticks at least most of them so you you could strafe you just had the uh, shoulder buttons which was fine i i don't have any trouble adjusting to it Mm-hmm. But maybe they did. I don't know. So to me, it's it's fine. I don't really have any issues with it. But um, yeah, I, I think it's just the slowness of it because you you walk really slowly, you move slowly. I think that's what most of the issues were that people had with it. But I don't know. I love it. Shadow Towers. I, I played it for the first time for a Let's Play on my channel a year ago, and it, that that game is brutal. That game is so brutal. <laughs> it really I, is. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> Playing it on the PS3 where you can't uh, change any of the controls either. Like, you can't remap anything and trying to look up and down with the triggers. Just, like, I just could not get my mind around that. And I I just ended up watching a a Let's Play of it, so I didn't have to play it. Okay, yeah, so that that exact thing is what Kingsfield had, those same controls. of It was all mapped to your uh, analog. Or not analog, I mean your your shoulder buttons Mm -hmm. for looking up and down and strafing left and right. But I guess since I grew up with that and I was a kid, it it was fine. Because there were no analog sticks, so... Um, I don't know. I don't have any trouble jumping back into it when I go back and play that game, but I can see why people would, because it's not really intuitive if you, if you haven't done it before. No, and then like the mechanics in those games are. I mean, people talk about the Souls games being pretty opaque, but like I, if I hadn't listened to the Bonfireside chat or like looked up Wikipedia, I would have no idea about you know you need to use your health to repair your items and things like that. Like it's just so bonkers from what was out there at the time, which was you know I mean there's just nothing like that that existed. Yeah, I mean, Shadow Tower, like, 
for me, because I was doing a let's play, people were giving me advice because I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> frankly, I was like, what? what? That, that game is, yeah, especially difficult. I mean, Kingsfield is a little opaque. It's definitely more so than a game at the time because, for example, you get a fire crystal in Kingsfield. And if you use it, it just spins around and says magic learned. And, you know, if you look, you can find that you learned magic. But if you don't use it, nothing ever really tells you that you have to actually use this thing to learn magic or anything. So I, I could see something like for, for me, at least when I was a kid, we found them and it took us a while to actually use it because we didn't want to waste a one of the time rare item that we found until it turned out that was the only way you could get magic. We we're like, oh, these are actually really good. We should use these. It's like finding the one divine blessing and then just having it to all the way to the end game and never using it in Dark Souls 1. Right, right, because you're like, I, I, I don't want to waste it. What if it's super important? <laughs> Finish the game with like 99 of them because you've played through it so many times. Yeah, there's also things, there's items you can sell. You can sell any key in Kingsfield, any fucking key. Even if it's the most important key in the game, you can sell that bitch and then realize like, oh shit. I sold a key that I absolutely need to beat the game. So, and then have to like farm for money to buy it back from the vendor that you sold it for, to. And nothing tells you that there's no, re- that that's a bad idea. So yeah, there's, there's no like, like yellow that. exclamation park mark that says like, this is an important item or whatever. Right. Which, I mean, you know, looking back, I actually like that because it, it, to me, it engages you more because you have to really think about what you're doing. But I think that's another reason people could be turned off is because you know, it's very easy to mess up and totally screw yourself over. Yeah, and there's something attractive about a game that will let you get into a situation like that, right? Like to that will that trust the player enough to be able to get themselves into and out of a situation, especially if it's not permanent. I feel like like old adventure games would let you get yourself into unwinnable situations where you had to start the game over, and that I don't dig that at all. But if you let me, if you put myself, if you put me as a player in a bind and then let me work my way out of it, I'm I'm pretty okay with that. Like I'm I'm, I'm all right with those kind of mechanics. Right, and that's the difference. There's there's being thrown into a bind and being able to work your way out of it, which is, that's great, because it trusts you as a player as opposed to holding your hand too much, which is nice. But then those little adventure games, man, like Kingsfield 6, that that is the <laughs> worst. Man, like, I forgot that there was a genie in the bottle in that game. I don't know if you play Kingsfield 6, but there's, like, a point early, very early in the game where if you don't trade for the right bottle that apparently has a genie in it, you can go to the very end of the game. And have completely screwed yourself over because within the first, like, maybe I'd say fifth part of the game, the first fifth, you forgot to do something. And then, like, spend 20 hours, like, figuring out these obscure puzzles and then realize, oh, crap, I forgot to pick up the chicken. And, yeah, now I'm screwed. Like, great. Right. Yeah. yeah and, you know, it's another thing, too, where I'm, I'm a little mixed on it, where I think it's, it is really shit game design. But at the same time, there was something fun in a sense of having a puzzle that was like that difficult where you're like man so when you solve it you're that much more proud of yourself but it is shit game design don't get me wrong yeah it's 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 not great it's not player friendly for sure um it it reminds me of like the original uh curse effect in dark souls one where it could just stack and stack and stack until you just have a sliver of health and someone who got cursed on his first playthrough like at the time i thought it was the worst thing that could happen to me even though it had already been patched by that point and now as a experienced player man i wish that was still in there like what a great like what a great challenge that would be it can stack it when it first when it first came out you could do like it would half your health and then quarter and then eighth and then 16th and so on i actually didn't know that i played the whole game through um without any patches because i didn't have xbox live at the time Mm -hmm. so i had no patches so everything was you know pre-patched it was a much more difficult game but 
Um, yeah, I had no idea. I yeah, got I'm, cursed, I'm, yeah, but I'm I didn't get cursed a second time. I kind of learned my lesson. <laughs> that was, and that was me too. Like I got cursed the first time and luckily I think I'd already picked up whatever, I don't, whatever item that it was, the purging stone or whatever by that point. But like, I just, okay, I'm not going to go hang out with those frogs anymore. Like that was the lesson that I got, that I learned from that. So it never, I just never got cursed again. I don't think, I don't think I've ever gotten cursed again since then. So. I did get cursed again and I had to run all the way back. And to me at the time, I was like, I have to go all the way back to get like buy this purging stone. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty funny. How did, how did you get like from Kingsfield to the, the souls games? Like where did, did you start with demons like from the very beginning? No, so I didn't have a PlayStation 3. I had So when Demon's Souls came out, I'd heard of it, but I didn't know too much about it because I didn't have a PlayStation 3. So I was when Dark Souls came out, I was working at... I was interning, I should say, or I just finished interning. I interned at G4. If you remember, that was a TV network mm-hmm. for video mm-hmm. games. And I just started working for a comp- the company E Entertainment, which was in the same building. And I remember the game came out, and I thought it looked really good. So I asked some of my friends who worked at G4 about it, and they were like... Nah, it's too hard. It's it's really unfair. It's it's shit. You shouldn't play it. So, but the trailer, the uh, Balthazar, that's not the name of it. What's the name? Uh, there's a trailer that has a song, and I really like the song. It's something like Balthazar. Uh, I, had to, I had to look it up. I, all I'm, I'm, I've got like the Dark Souls uh, silent comedy trailers memorized, but I don't know much that, about that. That's those. that's the one, the silent comedy song. Oh, okay. Anyways, the silent comedy song, like or Bartholomew Balthazar. Bartholomew. Bartholomew. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, please help me knee deep in the river trying to get clean. He says, wash your hands, get out the scenes, but you best believe, boy, there's hell to pay. Yeah, you best believe, boy, there's hell to pay, Sands. So yeah, so that trailer was the one I saw, and I was like, I don't know, man, I don't care. This game looks like a game I would love. So I got it anyways, despite their warnings, and just immediately was hooked, just because I like those types of games that don't hold your hands. And it's funny, I didn't even... I don't think I realized at first when I saw the trailer it was by From Software, and when I realized it was by From Software, I was really I was extra excited, because I'm such a big fan of King's Field. I was like, oh man, like I really love King's Field, and this is another game that looks right up my alley. It's funny because it's not even by the same team. I don't think anybody <laughs> who made Kingsfield was involved in Dark Souls or Demon Souls, even though it's a spiritual successor to Kingsfield. But it still has a lot of the same similar mechanics in a sense of just not holding your hand, uh, being really opaque and not telling you things. And being it, Kingsfield was also pretty brutal in difficulty. So also being similar in that aspect. So I don't know. It's funny that it's two completely different development teams it just happens to be the same company but yeah i love both of those games did um did you as because you mentioned that you were pretty good at video games as a kid like when you started playing dark souls for the first time did did you have like problems with the difficulty did you have to adjust to the combat mechanics or did you take to them pretty easily it took me well it took me a little bit it wasn't that long of a learning curve it was basically i was stuck in undeadburg for a little while because that was like my learning curve was getting past that and once i got to the forest i was pretty okay with things but i i was a sword and board type of player because i didn't really fully get how to i couldn't fully time out the parrying mechanic and i didn't realize how important iframes were because i was kind of just stacking my build up and uh trying to rely on defense 
Mm-hmm. So it was actually, so I beat the game all right, and I, I played through that experience and really enjoyed it. But it was actually Epic Name Bro. I was watching his Let's Play, and he was talking about rolling. And it looked so much, it looked like a lot of fun. And so I tried that, and I realized that that was the way to play. And I was like, wow, this is a way more fun, for me at least. <laughs> I mean, it's nice there's different play styles, but for me, that I realized that was the play style I prefer. And it, it made the game a lot easier. I don't know if that's the intention of that play style, but for me, since I like uh, fast twitch gameplay, that made the combat a lot more fun. And I'm, I'm going to kind of skitter around the games a little bit um, so we don't have to quite go in chronological order. But did that, you know, go into something like from the Dark Souls series to uh, Bloodborne, did that did that pull over? Like, were you super excited? Like, okay, no shield, super fast Twitch gameplay. Like, were, were you all into that? Yeah, I was really excited. I mean, since at that point, I'd kind of stopped using the shield, especially mm-hmm. Dark Souls 2, I never used the shield ever. So... With Bloodborne, I was like, yeah, this looks great. I'm glad they're focusing on that mechanic because that's totally right in my alley. And for me, I was even more so excited that it was a new IP. That was actually what I was the most excited about because as much as I love Dark Souls, I I didn't want the series to stagnate. So I I like new stories. I like new tales. I like that Dark Souls has such a fun, fresh take on things and Bloodborne seemed like it was going to be the same thing of being totally fresh, which it was and it ended up being so. Uh, I was just like, great, completely new world, slightly different mechanics. I'm all about that. Yeah, Bloodborne was such a such an interesting experience. Like, it it really felt like it was kind of an ode to the players that had over time like developed that faster gameplay in Dark Souls naturally. Like, the kind of person that was cranking up their agility in Dark Souls Two so that they could run around without a shield and they could have those invincibility frames was really rewarded when Bloodborne came out. Like, it just felt like a natural progression to me from just oh yeah, from absolutely to, two to Bloodborne. Yeah. And yeah, then the people who didn't kind of got screwed and like, (laughs) you had to learn really quick. I feel like there are a lot of better Dark Souls 3 players because of that, though, I'm sure, because people from playing Bloodborne probably just, it it kind of upped your, uh, your ability at those games. I I think so. Like, and I think you can see that in, um, not only like how many, just how big the, the YouTube community has gotten around Dark Souls 3 with the Let's Plays, but also like in the PvP community, like people, it just seemed to be way better at the game just from the get-go and that's probably because there were four games in that style before it right like it has to be something like that yeah i mean people complained with every souls game but like every souls game except for bloodborne they didn't really but with like star souls 3 they were like it's too easy and i didn't see that many complaints but some people did and i was just like what what do you think you've played three games already in the (laughs) same series you you know the mechanics by heart now it's not going to be that much more difficult. It should be easier because you know how to play the game really well at this point. You're probably a master now. Well, and it's, so. just, and it's, it's just familiarity with the text, too. Like, you know, there's when you go into Demons or Dark for the first time, like, you don't... It's, it takes you a little bit to pick up item descriptions. It takes, takes you a little bit to pick up uh, level scaling and weapon scaling and things like that. Like, you just aren't familiar with the terminology. Like, you just have no idea what to do with the game when you start out with. By the time Dark Souls 3 comes around, okay, strength, dex, vitality. Okay, I got it. I'm good. Let's go. Yeah, I think that's one of the most difficult things in picking up a Souls game in general. It's just the learning curve of all of those mechanics. Because you have to be like, okay it's better to stick with one weapon and level up that weapon as opposed to bouncing around for a while because then you're kind of just wasting Titanite shards and things like that. So it's like, okay, find a weapon I like and stick to that one for a little bit. And, you know, things like that are what style of play do I like? And then you also know how to level up your character stats, which when I first played like Dark Souls 1, which was my first Souls game, 
my first character, his stats are absolute shit. And like, I go back, I'm like, wow, this character is terrible. Because I didn't really know how resistance. To... What am I doing? <laughs> I mean, I was just going for like, because this is how I typically play games is I don't like to be overpowered in certain areas. I like to very evenly spread out my build. But for Dark Souls, this is not a good idea. You really have to choose a specific build and stick to it. So I, like, I didn't know that. So I was kind of just going for like, sure, why not throw things in the miracles? Maybe I'll use them at some point in a sorcerer, even though I never use magic, but maybe I will. So <laughs> an attunement and all that. And now, now, now when I play, since I rarely use magic, I'm like, eh, if I want to use it, I'll just make a character for that. But otherwise, I'll pick points where they matter. Do you, I mean, on... It sounded like from the beginning you were playing Dark Souls 1, like you, you finished it and you kind of started over with new builds. Do you do that with every Souls games? Do you go through them multiple times and try to try out different play styles and builds and things? I did with Dark Souls 1, but by the time I got to the rest of the Souls games, because of my YouTube channel, it kind of became more of a job. Mm-hmm. So when I go back and replay the game, unfortunately, a lot of the times it's not like I can have fun with it, so... I kind of just, ha- I need footage for something typically. So it's either like I'm doing a Let's Play, so I need to get that footage, or I'm doing a lore video, so I have to really, to save time, I just need to get through it as quickly as possible. So I'm just going to choose whatever build I know I can quickly beat the game with. So it unfortunately, I can't do it so much. Yeah. Um, but with Dark Souls 1, I was like, sure, why don't I try a sorcery build? Why don't I try this type of build? And I mean, at the end of the day, I kind of realized what build I have the most fun with anyways. So for me, it typically ends up being like, okay, well, I'll still go with this build, but I'll try a different weapon and see if like maybe I have fun with a heavier weapon or a lighter weapon or that sort of thing. I, I don't quite know like the the history of your YouTube channel. Did that start out as a Souls channel or was it just a general gaming channel and became? Because I know you from your Souls work, obviously, but I'm, I'm not sure like if you were if you were starting that channel and kind of successful before the Souls games came along. How, how did that happen? Uh, I started my channel with Dark Souls 1, talking about Dark Souls 1 stuff, but I also started a, let, a Let's Play of Kingsfield 1, and it's kind of just coincidence. Um, I didn't really ever mean for my channel to be a specifically a Souls channel. It's just like, I like Dark Souls, and I just happened to be re-in the mood for Kingsfield at the time. They were both from soft titles, so it was sort of just a coincidence, but I, I kind of just stuck with it for a while. Of like, oh, I really like talking about Dark Souls, and people seem to like watching it so why not this is a lot of fun to do um so i'd stuck with that and then after a couple about a year or so i kind of got to the point where i was like all right like i I didn't i never really made a youtube channel to only talk about souls i like to talk about other things so i started incorporating other things on top of souls content Mm -hmm. did you get any backlash from your like hardcore souls fans being like why are you talking about shovel knight instead of dark souls i want to i want to see dark souls i didn't get backlash like that i mean my my thing to me as soon as I started making other contents outside of Souls, was I felt like I had to make sure the quality of the video was so good that people wouldn't complain. So I put a lot more work into my non-Souls videos. Like, I mean, if I make a Let's Play of Dark Souls, it'll get a decent amount of views. And I, but I wouldn't do a Let's Play of another video because I want to make sure that it's something so high quality that people can't complain. So gotcha. usually, like, if people, it just gets less views, really. So it's just like someone might not watch it because they subscribe to me for souls and it's not a souls video which i understand but the people who watch it typically end up enjoying it has having the the youtube channel and 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 gaining some success and popularity with that did that change the way that you approach the games at all like uh i asked this question to to gary when he was on the podcast when he from bonfire side chat about 
like going through these games for the first time before having kind of like before it being your job is 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 fun and it's exciting but going through that after it's kind of like your job to talk about them it do you throughout the game throughout the time that you're experiencing the game for the first time are you thinking to yourself okay i need to make notes of this and i need to put this together for like are you constantly thinking about that does it take away from your experience with the game at all so I've been fortunate that by the time Dark Souls 2 came out, my channel was already big for the Souls community. I mean, back then I had like 10,000 subscribers when Dark Souls 2 came out, which was amazingly, that was one of the top Souls channels. I mean, now nowadays that'd be tiny for a Souls mm-hmm. channel. But um, yeah, so I had like 10,000 subscribers and they sent me a free copy of Dark Souls 2 before it came out. And it happened to be enough time where I was like, you know what, I'd rather just enjoy this game for myself because it's a series that I like so much and it play through it again one time for me and then after that I'll focus on making content for it. And I've I've kind of tried to stick to that as much as I can because I do really like these games. I want to have experience of getting to enjoy it. So I'll just, pl- and I like playing them solo too, so I'll kind of just like go offline, play the game solo through and get that enjoyment of getting to see it for myself. Um, and then once I finish that and like, you know, in my head, I'm thinking of things at this point where I'm like, oh, I know I'll need to get shots of this and this, and this at some point. And there's definitely a part of me where I'm like, man, wouldn't it save time if I just got these shots right now? But I, I try to just allow myself to enjoy it because like I'll, I'll have a lot of work to do later. But for right now, let me just enjoy these games because they really are some of my favorite modern games. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Like the. The, the the cottage industry that's grown up around Dark Souls as a as a like incorporating Bloodborne into that as well, but the entire Soul series like you mentioned this earlier, ten thousand subscribers was a lot of subscribers in twenty what was that twenty thirteen when Dark Souls two came out, and then now three years later, you look at people and you're like, how hundreds of thousands of views on lore videos and things like that. Like it's just it's it's expanded so rapidly over the last five years. It's just like it's crazy to me. Yeah, so I started my channel in 2013, and Dark Souls 2 came out in 2014. But um, oh, okay, I had my I had my because I just remember the stuff. Up. No, I mean mm-hmm. it's, it's close, but I mean I think 2013 was when the Dark Souls One DLC came out, if I'm not mistaken. But um, 2011 was when Dark Souls One came out. But mm. anyways, I just like facts that I have in the back of my head for making so many videos. Anyways, <laughs> it, it's like I don't know if I like or don't like it. it I guess like the bigger it gets like i'm happy for everybody who's making content about it but it doesn't feel like as tight-knit of a community in a sense so i'm definitely can, like for me for me you know it's great like i'm i'm obviously happy that i've i've been able to make videos and it, it's crazy like when i made my channel i wasn't even expecting 500 subscribers like that was like crazy to me that i even got 500 subscribers so um to be where i'm at now is insane but I don't know. It's just like it's weird how much it's expanded. Like it used to be because I've always been pretty niche in the fact that I like hardcore stuff like Kingsfield. And that's something that people a lot of my friends, too, were just like, that's not my type of game. So it's kind of to see a game like that blowing up so much. And I'm definitely happy that that means we might get more games like that. Like Neo looks incredible and I can't wait for it. But um, I don't know. It's just it's like a weird mix of things. I don't know why I get like that. That seems very hipster to be like, oh, it's popular and that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm definitely I saw the glad sex it's pistols at the Fillmore in the 1982 and like that went back when they were good. Like that's how I, I hate to sound like that when I'm talking about like early YouTube stuff when I first started pulling it, like digging into YouTube for Dark Souls stuff. But that's it's hard not to like go back to like that was their first album and they were super good. Like it's hard not to sound like that. But man, there I was think some- what it is. 
when I think about it, sorry, I didn't mean to uh, interrupt you. I guess I just finally thought about why. Mm-hmm. I, I guess like when it first started, and it's not like it's not the case now because there's more people, but it almost felt like everybody who was involved in the community has so much integrity in the sense of like they were really doing it because they loved it. And that was something that they were super passionate about. And it, that's not to say, and this is kind of a pessimistic view, but it's not to say like all the other channels and everything now that cover souls don't really enjoy the game, but it's kind of at the point where like, you know, Game Grumps is going to play Dark Souls on their channel and Bark, or PewDiePie is going to play Dark Souls and like every giant YouTuber is going to play the game. And it, instead of just like this community of people who are super passionate about it and all the views are going to go towards, and again, this is more me just being a YouTuber and I'm probably complaining, but like all the views are going to go to these giant, giant channels who I feel like aren't as passionate about the game. Whereas like to me, it's like Epic Name Bro was the shit because he was so passionate about it and that was what was so fun to watch about him. It was so cool to see that type of gamer get recognition for it. It's especially fascinating, like, if you think back into 2011, 2012, um, and, like, the thing that inspired me to make a YouTube channel, and my YouTube channel is garbage, like, everybody knows it's just crappy PvP troll videos, like, it's no big deal, but, like, the thing that inspired me to do it was watching, like, the PvPersons of the world, like, to make stuff, and it's, it's really weird to me that it expanded so rapidly that now we have like those, those huge channels just being like, okay, we're going to play dark souls because that's what the people want. Like five years ago, nobody wanted to know about dark souls unless you were playing dark souls. Like that's, and it was, it's, it's really weird that it's become such a mainstream thing. Now I don't necessarily, again, just like you, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just so different. I have no desire to make Dark Souls 3 videos, like even PvP stuff. Like, I just don't care about it anymore because I'm, I'm doing different stuff now. But it seems like everybody, especially before the release of Dark Souls 3, because they kind of gave it to streamers and, and people early, like everybody was just doing it because they could and not necessarily because they loved the games. I don't, and I, I don't want to sound elitist when I say that either. I know it's coming across as elitist and I'm really trying not to. Right, and that's my worry too, is because like I, for me, I've always hated that hipster mentality of if something gets popular, oh, I knew about it first, so screw you guys, because like I'm glad, like it's a great game. I'm glad more people are playing it, and that means we have more people to talk to about it, which is awesome. It's just more so for the people creating content. It's more of when I look at people creating content around it, when it's like uh, a lot of people who don't seem that, that passionate about it are like, it's the Dark Souls thing where it's like, I'm going to play Dark Souls on my channel because it's the hardest game and therefore I'm going to play it and it's known for that. And I'm like, you know, it, it was it's fun every now and then, but you really just want people who are passionate about what they're talking about. And, you know, like there's a lot of new channels that have cropped up who are super, super passionate. And I'm glad that they found it through Dark Souls 3 or maybe they were inspired by another YouTuber or what, whatever it may be. And that there's more content, which is good for everybody, for sure. But, yeah, I don't know. It just it just feels different in a way. Switching off the subject of kind of the, the Dark Souls community a little bit, um, I, I want to go back to something in Kingsfield, because the Kingsfield games, to me, are, are really remarkable, not only because of their kind of early Souls roots, but because of the, like, absolutely incredible soundtracks that they had. Like, actual, like weird interesting like thinking about the kingsfield 4 soundtrack that had like all of those weird ambient music do, do you get into like the music of the souls games is that something that's a that's a passion or an interest of yours so it depends on the the game for me mm-hmm. the kingsfield series i actually prefer that soundtrack the soul soundtrack mm-hmm. and it's not because i think the soul soundtrack is bad it's because most of the soul soundtrack are boss fights which is um very I'm trying to think of the word for it, but when it's not supposed to sound good, 
There's a very there's a specific music term for that that I should know because I took music theory. Um, <laughs> dissonant. It's very dissonant, mm-hmm. right? Like the the soul soundtrack is very dissonant, which makes sense for the boss fights because that's what you want. You want it to be uneasy and to give you a feeling of uneasiness you typically add a dissonant soundtrack which isn't something you're going to listen to for pleasure but there there are songs especially demon souls is my favorite soul soundtrack there are songs like like firelink shrine or like um like made in astraya or like there are a lot of songs that are very that are great or like Gwyn's theme in dark souls one which is the one time they give you that sad theme um that i really really do enjoy and listen to but most of the soul soundtrack is super dissonant so i mean it's not something i typically enjoy listening to in my free time whereas weirdly king's field i love that soundtrack and i actually there's one song from king's field that sometimes i play in my car and i'm like i know i'm a nerd because i'm listening to a video game <laughs> song in my car but i really like this song I don't, I don't think there's a problem with that at all But I think it's, that's the difference is that Kingsfield was more of an ambience to it because every area had music. And that was back during PlayStation 1 in that era where you always had music in the background. So it has an unsettling ambience for Kingsfield, but it's still an ambience nonetheless. So something that you're going to listen to and they don't want to necessarily drive you to this intense emotion of like, oh shit, what's going on? It's just subtly creepy. Whereas Dark Souls, you go to a boss and it's like super hammered, super hard music. Like this is an intense fight, and but it's only during bosses for most of the game. Like Bloodborne is a good example where the intro song is amazing. I love the intro song to the game. It's it's really really good, but most of the rest of the soundtrack is boss fights, which are well done. They're very well done, but it's not something I would personally listen to in my free time. And one of the one of the most striking examples of the that, that breaks that rule, specifically in Bloodborne, and I, I was having a conversation with the Bloodborne with the, with one of my friends about the Bloodborne uh, soundtrack today, which is the only reason that I know this off the top of my head. But um, the music that plays in Yahar Ghoul after you get kidnapped, like that choral yeah. thing, like that is the exception to that rule where it's not a boss fight; it's just you running around with this like creepy kind of noise and it works (laughs) exceptionally well i think specifically because of that because you don't know what's coming you're so used to having it be just boss music that it unsettles you just to hear and i kind of wish that those wish that the games would go back to that like demon souls has such a weird dissonant warbling soundtrack like thinking of stuff like the adjudicator theme and things where you get into dark souls three and it feels like it's so overly bombastic and over the top. Like it's filling a symphony hall. Like it just, it all becomes kind of just general noise for me. I can't pick out anything in general, anything specific about it. No, honestly, dark souls three is my least favorite soundtrack, the whole series, mm-hmm. but, um, I mean, it's not my least favorite game of the series, but it's my least favorite soundtrack. But, um, yeah, yeah I think, you know, like you said, I think that's what there is good design as far as like music design goes and the way they did it. Um, it's it's good because you you don't have any music, and then when you finally do have music, it makes it all that much more important. 
important. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, for Bloodborne and Yahargul, and then in Dark Souls 1 when you get to Ash Lake, and that's the only area in the game that has background music outside of Firelink Shrine. And, and you're it's like, a similar track, too. I didn't even think about that. It's, it's that similar choral, deep, you know, male voice, too. It's the same. It's, it's very, very similar. Yeah, and it automatically adds an extra level of importance to the area where you're like, oh, oh, what is this? What is this area? Because there's actually something going on musically. So from a design perspective, it's brilliant. Uh, for my own listening pleasure, <laughs> I prefer King's Field. <laughs> but... Yeah. Yeah, but no, like if for being within a game and playing, it's it's a very clever design. You know, the Souls games are are kind of known for like I, th- I think that there's a pretty clear division of people that th- there's three groups of Souls fans I've found in doing sixty something of these episodes so far. Like either you're really into the mechanics and you don't care about the lore, or you're really into the lore and you don't really care about the mechanics, or you're one of those people that just love the game for everything, mechanics and lore. What what do you think drew you into the Souls game first, and what do you think kind of made you continue playing them? Like, w- was there an interplay between those mechanics and the story? Like, did you pick up on that pretty quick, or did it take you like a long time to figure that out, or what what happened? The first thing that drew me in was honestly the boss design. Um, okay. But this was just because I said it was the Bartholomew trailer that got me to get the game, and that was all boss design. Like, look at this crazy boss. Look at this crazy boss. And for me, it was all these experiences of finding these, encountering these enemies who felt larger than life of, oh my God, I don't, how the hell am I going to beat this thing? And that sense of accomplishment when you actually beat it. So that would be a gameplay mechanic thing, but specifically it was pertaining to the bosses. And especially since that was before I was a master, like for me, my one story that I talk about is when I first saw the Hydra, which isn't even a boss in the forest. Uh, when I first saw it, like I just stopped for a moment. And I was like, "Are you kidding me? How are you joking? How am I going to? How in the world am what I supposed I to do? beat that?" But it was also it was a cool feeling because I never had that in games. Because like I told you, I, I'm typically good at games, and it, it's something that's always come natural to me. So to actually have this experience of okay, I understand the mechanics of the game. I mean, I didn't really then, but I thought I felt like I did. Yet I'm encountering this thing where I'm like, I'm, I'm supposed to kill that? Are you joking? Um, that was a cool feeling. It was really fun to actually have that. So, it, I mean, Miyazaki talked about his whole point of the game was to have a feeling of accomplishment. It's that sense of accomplishment. And I think he really pulled it off, and that's what I enjoyed. And yeah, the combat mechanics, especially, that's what pulled me in for mechanics of it. Um, I liked the story. I liked the fact that I really didn't fully understand the story my first time playing at all, to be honest, which is funny considering I'm a lore channel, or that's what I'm most known for, I should say. At this point, I I think of myself as more of an all-around thing, but that's what I'm known for. Um, I really didn't understand it that well, but what I liked was that everything felt very important without me knowing why. Like I I look at things, and comparing it to Skyrim, which also came out around then, while I enjoyed Skyrim... Nothing really felt like it mattered. Whereas in Souls, without even knowing the story, every detail of all the level design, I was like, this feels important, and this feels lived in. And something feels very artistic, and like someone really handcrafted it for a reason. And that was why I ended up enjoying the lore so much, was because I started to learn that it really was important if you dug into the story. And it was just such a great way to do storytelling in a video game. But I was definitely drawn into that, and that helped me enjoy the game and want to keep on going further was to see like what is this world and why is it like this 
but I didn't really fully un- like when I fought Gwen. I was like, and you turn into fire at then. I was like, what? What is what? What just happened? <laughs> I had no idea what just happened. I was so confused, and that's actually what drew me into lore videos was because I. I started, I watched lore videos, I think it was before Vadi made his, and it was Epic Name Bro, and specifically Epic Name Bro inspired me to make lore videos. Um, but yeah, I started watching some of his, and I was like, oh my, it completely blew my mind. So I have him to thank a lot for, <laughs> uh, like, even furthering my enjoyment of the games. It's amazing how much um, he has inspired just, like, an untold amount of Souls fans to either dig into the game more or start making their own videos or to learn about the games more or, or what have you. Like, it's it's just absolutely insane. Like, he's such a such a huge presence in the community, especially with the work he's done on the guides and things. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to talk to anybody who doesn't, who likes Dark Souls, who doesn't know that name. Yeah, and the thing to me is that, like, for me, it's, it's weird to me that I'm known for lore because... For most games, like, take Skyrim, I don't glance at the item descriptions at all. I just care less. Like, I'll get the dialogue from people, and I do enjoy the story, and I very much enjoy storing games when it's done well. But he was the one who really... Like, for Souls, I started reading the item descriptions, I had no idea what they meant, and I didn't realize how important they were. So I was just like, okay, and I I just stopped reading them when I first played the game, because I didn't know they weren't that important to the story or how much how much it really helped explain things. And now when I get a new Souls game, not because of my videos, just because I really enjoy the story, I get excited every time I pick up a new item just to read those descriptions. But that's all goes back thanks to Epic Name Bro for introducing that element of the game to me. It's 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 interesting how, like, because I, I had a... When I started playing Dark Souls 2, I thought at that point I had... I was all into Dark Souls. Like, I had seen lore videos and I had watched a bunch of stuff and I was ready to go. And I sat down and I told myself, okay, I've got a notebook and I've got a pen. I've got my Xbox 360 controller. I'm going to make a bunch of notes. And like, I even had the idea in the back of my head, like I'm going to do my first lore video. I'm going to figure out something that's interesting in Dark Souls 2 and I'm going to talk about it. And like, I think I wrote down one thing throughout the next 80 hours. <laughs> like my, my brain yeah. just does not work that way. Like I, I, I see people like Vadi and like you and like Epic Name Bro and like Quaylog back in the day, like putting together all of these disparate parts of a story and making them a whole. And I, I'm just like astounded. I have no idea how to do it. So I just go back to my PVP troll videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Quaylog was great. She was really good. It's too bad she doesn't make much anymore. Um, that's how you know your true souls, Van. Going back to being elitist, you know, Quaylog. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I True. got excited. It's exciting for me now putting together some of the lore videos just because you really feel like you're discovering something. It's like putting together a puzzle. That's the way I think about it. It's like putting together all the puzzle pieces. And when they fit together, it's really exciting. It's like, oh, my God, this actually fits together. And that makes this make sense. And this makes sense. But I mean, for me, really, like, it's not, it's hard to figure out as you just play the game for me. Like, what I'll end up doing is I, I read the descriptions and try to figure out the best I can as I'm playing the first time through. But then I just make a list on in Word and, like, put every item that has something similar to do all together on the same page. So then I can look at everything all together. It's like, okay, here's how this fits together when I'm putting it all together in one page. And then that helps out. And then also with these games, a lot of them, if you piece together one part of the lore, it makes another part of the lore make more sense. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you do one video it's, or f- and put so much time into one video, it's like, oh, okay, that makes this one a little bit easier to figure out and this one a little bit easier. Um, yeah, whenever I do the story videos, though, honestly, for every single game, like I put, I think Dark Souls 2, I put out a story video before anyone else. Maybe Quaylog beat me to the punch. For Dark Souls 3, I put out a story video before anyone else. Uh, for Bloodborne, I put out a story video for everyone else before anyone else. 
And I'm not trying to brag. I like I'm just trying trying to get to this point of it. I, I was so terrified going into making the videos and thinking like, okay, it's time. I really need to make the story video, especially like from a business YouTube perspective. Vadi is so big that if he posts a video and like he's great, he honestly the reason my channel got noticed in the first place was thanks to him. So I have him to thank a lot. But if you post a story video before I post mine, nobody's going to watch my video. That's just how it is because everyone's going to watch bodies and no one's going to care about my video. So I kind of knew like the only way I could get noticed was if I beat him to the punch. So I just started putting together. I was like, how the fuck am I going to figure this out <laughs> before like for the story specifically? Because it's so big and there's so it's so convoluted for a lot of these games. And for every single one of them, there are definitely moments where I was trying to piece it together. And I was just like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it for this one. I don't know. This is, maybe this is the one where I can't figure it out. This is way too weird. <laughs> Especially Bloodborne, man. That was like, I mean, once you put together Bloodborne, it makes sense. But until you put it together, it's just so convoluted because of all the dream space. It's like, it's so weird because yeah, what's you have to real, think of what's like, not, who, who are, do these characters actually exist? Are they a figment of my imagination or someone else's? Like it's all over the place. Right. Cause you're literally in someone's dream. And it's like, how much does this dream make sense? Is this a dream? Does that, like, how much does a dream really affect the real world? Are you even in the real world? So that one was like super convoluted, but, and then Dark Souls three too. Like, I think I'm right in my lore video for what happened with Dark Souls three. I mean, it still hasn't been confirmed, but I'm pretty positive. But for Dark Souls 3, it's like someone linked the fire and then they all died. And then someone was supposed to link the fire and they didn't. So now other people went to go link the fire, but then they didn't properly do it. So they had all these safety catches. And like it ended up getting more convoluted because it wasn't like Dark Souls 1 probably is the most simple story. Whereas when you get to Dark Souls 3, it's like they're, they're making it more complex, but it just adds more to just trying to figure out what the hell happened. So um, I don't know, man. <laughs> like I said. My only point was since there weren't other story videos I could go back and watch. And that's really why I was making that point. It was just yeah. like there are definitely points where I was like, am I going to be able to figure this out? I don't know. And I had moments just trying to type it out on a laptop like, I don't know. And anytime <laughs> something came to me, it, just, it was exciting, though. It was like You're like, oh, my God, I put it together. And, and then that for me was inspiring to try and get it out again and be people to the punch because I was like, I have to be the first to tell people this. I really have to do it. I have to say this. Do you have a particular, uh, like a plot through line or a NPC storyline or something that you go back to that's the either that has affected you personally the most? And I always, I always say affected you personally because um, I've been talking a lot to CJ from Twin Humanities and his experiences with Lucatiel and, and Dark Souls Two was a very personal experience for him. Do, do you have a story like that 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 or a particular? arc, character arc, story, whatever, what what have you that kind of affects you? throughout any of the games i'm trying to think about that because i should have i should have come prepared and had that question ready to go because that's a that's a harder <laughs> one to answer unless you really have something off the top of your head that really affected you yeah and, and, and um, we, we can skip it too so don't 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 feel pressured to answer because well, that, that is kind of a big question for like right off the right off the top of someone's head yeah i mean like i can say that i think oscar's storyline is my favorite even though it's so short mm-hmm. but that's just specifically because that's more from a gameplay story or a game design story telling a standpoint of like i love the fact that without telling you anything they told the story and that's that's so cool to me that they did that and to me that's how game design and storytelling should be done but yeah i'll have to think about it off the top of my head i mean i guess like you know i guess it's something now that i think about it a little bit more um i was putting together a a lore video on the old demon king um okay and that is for Dark Souls 3. 
And something that I guess I, I brought it to the real world, and this is what made me think about it, was the story for the old Demon King about how their fire just completely died and they're dead. And that that's it, right? The life of their world is gone, essentially. And that is their story. And it's not a specific NPC unless you look at, like, it's more about the race. But the older I get, the more I think about my mortality. Um, <laughs> you know, the more existential crises I have. So it's something where it just made me think about that how much that mirrored us in the sense of like the earth is our world and if the the core of the earth were to go that is the fire to our life essentially and we would all be gone and what else is there it's just like nothing your entire existence is gone so um and then how much we desperately just like in souls we desperately try to extend our fire by different means in a sense of like okay let's try to like, what will we do? And you see that in science fiction. Like, what will we do if the fire was dying? We try to, or if the sun was dying, we try to revitalize it because that is the fire to our life, literally, is the sun. Um, or like trying to become interplanetary so we can start crossing the world. But it's, it's that sort of thing that I guess me and my existentialness <laughs> has been more pondering that, that's affected me and made me think a lot. Um, I, I can't yeah. believe you're making my listeners feel sympathetic for a Capra demon. Like I didn't think that, <laughs> that was possible, but here we are. <laughs> they're, like, they're they're dying, man. It's a dying race. They're, it's so sad. <laughs> we have to save their art in this horrible chalice dungeon level. We have to save them. <laughs> they they got to be preserved somehow. They preserve them. They existed. Did, so I, yeah, I think that's that's probably what's affected me the most. Like in general, for me, things that affect me are relationship things because that's what I, I guess the way my brain is wired. But since there's not much of that any of that in dark souls it doesn't really affect me as much sure yeah that makes sense do, do you have a particular time that you've gotten incredibly frustrated with the series like um like i i know for me there was the, the first time you know the, the classic one is uh ornstein and smoke where you get there and you're just it's like a throwing yourself against a wall and you can't get anywhere and um it actually literally made me after 60 hours which is how long it took me to get to ons like restart with a new character and like yeah just because i was just like i was obviously i'm bad obviously everything i've done in these last 60 hours is terrible and i have to do it again is, was there a moment like that for you in any of these games Ornstein and Smoke was definitely the first brick wall that I, or the main brick wall that I ran into. Like you said, that was the first one. Where it was like, it took me forever. Um, for me, since I didn't have, I couldn't play online. I was just relying on summoning Solaire and trying to have him. So I was like, okay, what I need to do is try to get so good at the first phase that I can beat that and have Solaire with me to, for the phase. But if I if I rely on Solaire as a crutch for the first phase, then I'm just going to be screwed. So yeah, it was just like tons and tons of times <laughs> trying to just figure out and be able to beat it without Solaire because I only had limited humanities left and I was like, oh my God, man, I'm so screwed. But I I don't know if I was super frustrated with that. I was definitely concerned. I felt like, oh man, this, this is like a huge wall. Like I think my main frustrations have come from just when I needed, this is something that would be very much a me as a YouTuber thing. But like if I need to get footage for something, and I don't have it. And I'm trying to replay it through the game quickly. And I run into an area that's just giving me more trouble than it normally would. Because it's Dark Souls. And everything can be difficult. <laughs> unless you're Lobos Jr. Who's just a, at this point like a master. Or a speedrunner. You know who's a master at everything at this point. Mm -hmm. um, there's still points where I'll run into it and think it's an easy error. Or not really think about it too much. And start to have trouble. And I'm like why today? Why today? <laughs> I just need this footage so I can make a video. I'm not even playing for fun. I just need footage. And that's where I'll get really frustrated because 
at this point, most Souls guys use PC, so they can just like skip ahead or use whatever cheat engine so they can skip. But I still capture on PS4 and 360, so I can't use those skips. Even if I'm just, for me, it's work. It's like I just need to get footage so I can continue my work and continue my job. So that's the main times that I'll get frustrated. Mm-hmm. But again, like I said, that's a super personal thing. And that could be any area. It's just like if I'm having trouble with a boss that normally I wouldn't, that takes me five tries instead of one or 10 tries instead of one. I'm just like, I just want to throw the controller and just be done with it. Um, I think like the, you know what? I guess like the most frustrating t- boss wise, actually, now that I think about it, is Manus from Dark Souls 1. Oof, um, man, what a what a what a again a brick wall. Like I can't I can't get away from that cliched <laughs> metaphor. Yeah, but man, oh my god. Yeah, because the first time I played him, it was before I was good at I knew how to iframe properly. So I just had I was just like I, nope, I just I can't I just can't do it. I ended up doing the cheat method where you uh, shoot a bunch of arrows at him. And from then outside just, the fog wall yeah from outside the fog wall <laughs> and then going and killing me with one hit and i was like woof, woof, did that but uh <laughs> when i actually figured out iframes he was more fun but then again he was another uh like that word again brick wall but incredibly frustrating when for my uh i did a playthrough of dark souls one for my channel where i decided to just i reached two levels so i could use the great scythe which is one of my favorite weapons in dark souls one because i was trying to just do like a walkthrough to talk about like Specifically, I made it for my friends who were saying Dark Souls One is too difficult. I was like, "No, you just need to do the mechan- know the mechanics. See, I can beat all these bosses at a low level because I know the mechanics of it." So I started doing that, and as the series grew and got more popular, and I just thought it'd be fun to challenge myself. I was like, "Why don't I just try to beat the whole game like this?" So facing Manus level six without and the, my build, I couldn't use magic. So like, I, was, I couldn't use magic because of my build. I was level six. That was the most frustrating experience i've had in dark souls period like low low soul level runs are really interesting to me like they're they're fun and they're but they're very challenging and then at the end of it like i think most people do it specifically for the pvp stuff where you can invade at a low level but like just doing it to actually beat the bosses it can be and like just when one hit kills dark souls turns into a totally different game like it's a it's a whole other experience it's, it's really like cranking up that difficulty slider on your own Oh yeah, with Manus, um, he had one combo attack where if he, hit, he even touched me with it, I was like, "Well, I just put my controller down." And be like, "That's it, done. <laughs> yeah, Next run." That, that feels like half of the later bosses in Dark Souls Three to me now. <laughs> yeah, it's I've got like, a, yeah, I've, I've got two more questions for you, and, uh, and we'll we'll shut this down. One's a quick one, and one might be a little bit lengthier. Um, the, the first one is something I ask all my guests because I'm a self-professed uh, Chalice Dungeon fan in Bloodborne. Where, where where do you fall on the chalices? Because I always like to get guest opinion about that. Yeah, that was the one question you saw, you actually put in the email. was like, what do you think of Chalice Dungeons? Did I really? I don't even, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even remember that. <laughs> that was your example. Um, I'm, I hate to disappoint. I, I honestly don't understand the appeal of them. It's fine. Uh, yeah, there's no no need to justify it. Like I I, I totally get it. So. Yeah, I uh, it's funny. Bloodborne is pro- is my second favorite Souls game after Dark Souls One, and I, I love the hell out of it. And I still haven't beaten Yarnum. <laughs> I finished <laughs> everything else in the game, and I haven't beat Yarnum because I just hate the Chalice Dungeon so much. And like I've I've done builds where I was like trying to rush through the game, like I've talked about. I have to do sometimes to get footage mm-hmm. in Bloodborne, especially because there's three fucking endings. So. Like, I need to capture all of them for my videos. So, like, I had to rush through the games for various things. Or when the DLC came out, I had to rush through because now all of a sudden, like, all these builds were... I'd have to go through New Game Plus. And I, I was doing Chalice Dungeons just to reach levels quickly. And I 
I'd put on like Trigun or something or some some TV show to watch and like had that on my laptop as I was doing it and it made it a little more enjoyable, but most of me was just like, I hate this so much. I hate this so much. <laughs> I'm glad uh, that you find. I'm glad that it was for somebody, though. I'm yeah, glad that yeah. you found there, enjoyment. There's a out small of it. but very vocal contingent of us out there on the internet. So, I, somebody uh, tweeted at me today, and apparently there's Chalice Dungeon fan fiction, which I haven't clicked really? on that link. Yeah, I haven't clicked on the link, but I'm like, I'm kind of scared to, and I'm like, mm, also, I kind of have to. Like, I got to see what that is. <laughs> yeah, see what it is for me is our part of my love for Bloodborne and the Souls games in general is the level design. And for um, the Chalice Dungeons, they just feel super bland to me. Every room feels very much the same thing. And as much as I enjoy the combat mechanics, without that level design to keep me intrigued, I've I've realized, like, okay, apparently I need that. That's an aspect that I need. But, like, I get if you really enjoy the combat mechanics and if you're doing the randomizer one where there's different traps, I could see, I could see the appeal in that. My uh, my second question is, uh, we're, we're recording this at the end of 2016, and I think this will probably come out pretty quick afterwards, but at this time, like From Software has said that they've got three projects in the works, and one of those is more than likely an Armored Core game, and then the other two were kind of like these weird, mysterious things that they're hinting at, which could be literally anything. But for you personally, um, as a fan of From Software since elementary school, if I remember correctly, like... Where are you? Where would you like to see that studio go? What kind of games would you like to see them release going forward? Um, I know it's not possible, uh, but I'd love to see a new Kingsfield type of game or that style or Shadow Tower with the first person perspective. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's going to happen because if they made it, it'd have to compete with Skyrim and nobody would buy it. And like I would buy it because if it was still in the same style of Kingsfield, but that's what I think people would expect and want. And I, I just don't think it's... And at this point, Demon's Souls is a spiritual successor to Kingsfield, but I really, really love those games, and I'd love to see a continuation of that franchise in the style they were in before, as opposed to trying to make a co- copy of Skyrim. But I just... I 100% don't think they're going to do it. Um, I'd definitely like to see a sci-fi-styled game that's not Armored Core. Mm-hmm. Um because it's always fun to have that back and forth because companies always have their big fantasy franchise and their big sci-fi franchise. But like really for me, anything that's different, I don't really want it except for Kingsfield because I'm such a fan of that series. And I like Armored Core as well, but not as much as Kingsfield. But aside from Kingsfield, like really I just want them to be new IPs. Like Bloodborne blew me away because it was a new IP. Even though it has Souls mechanics, I like the fact that it was a new IP and different enough mm-hmm. that that's what allowed me to enjoy it. Even if it doesn't have Souls mechanics to it, I just want to see a brand new IP. That's really all I ask for. And that, in general, that's what I look for. And it sucks that video games in general have stagnated so much in the sense of there's so many sequel, sequels. And I get it. It's a safe bet. If you already like the game, yeah. Like I bought Dark Souls 3. I bought three, four Souls games, if you include Demon Souls. <laughs> but, um, and I enjoyed all of them. But I still, Bloodborne was better to me than Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3 because it was new and different. And that's what I like to see. So I just hope it's something new. I make a joke about um, that they could probably get down to Dark Souls Six before I would finally stop buying them before release. Like they've hooked me this far. Like I'm good, but it would take me. I would have to learn the lesson if they keep making Dark Souls games and they get worse and worse for whatever reason. Like I would, I would still just be, keep coming back because I can't stop myself. If I'm being honest, like at this point they made Dark Souls Four and they announced that's one of our next three games. I would more so begrudgingly buy it just because of my youtube channel which is like sad to say at this point like i loved i I really enjoyed dark souls 3 but i just want something different i mean 
and it's not even it's not even smart for my channel as like a youtuber i should be like yes give me more of what makes my channel get views but that's just not what i want it's not what i enjoy so i just really want something new and fresh um i am tired of the cycle i'm tired of the flame i'm tired of the dark i'm tired of the you know linking the fire like i I could just use all new stuff yeah with, with that stuff I just, I honestly just don't care about the story anymore because it's just a cycle over and over again. I think it's kind of lazy. Like to me, Demon Souls did that story. Dark Souls 1 I liked because it was a different story because it wasn't cycles at that point. When it was Dark Souls 1, we didn't know what came when you linked the fire or it said an age of a dark. It wasn't like, oh, it's in a cycle all over again. So when Dark Souls 2 happened, I was honestly disappointed because I was like, but this was the story Demon Souls had. You already told the story about cycles. That was Demon Souls. But it was fine. And so for Dark Souls 3, yeah, it's the dying of the cycles, essentially. Like, you can see that, like, it's starting to not work anymore. But still the same thing of, like, there's just been all these cycles. And I'm like, I, I really want something different. All right, guys, I get it. Cycles, they keep on repeating <laughs> over and over again. I got it. Got it. Cool. That was a good story. Give me something different. Well, uh, Dave, thank you again for coming on the podcast. I, I really appreciate it. Um, it. It feels a bit silly asking you to like talk about where people can find you on the internet because if they're listening to this, they probably already know. But can you walk people through where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, uh, you can find me on YouTube at Dave Control. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Dave Klein, which I made way before my YouTube channel, and now I wish it was just my YouTube channel name. <laughs> um, but yeah, those like I, I tweet a lot. If you want to get in, tr- uh, in touch with me, usually Twitter is the best way because, it, yeah, just it's hard. I get people, especially as a lore person, people will send me like seven paragraph messages a lot, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it's like it's cool and it's very it's cool. People have amazing theories, and sometimes they help me out, and I try to give them credit when they do, but. I have a full-time job and I do YouTube, so sometimes I'm, it's hard to read all of that. So Twitter, get in touch with me there or check out my YouTube channel. Well, thank you again for being on the show. I very much appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. It, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, if you're listening because of me, definitely make sure to listen to more. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast on Twitter at DGUS Podcast. Um, You can also find us on Facebook and Tumblr and Instagram where I post very short previews of episodes that come out every week. Thanks, as always, for listening. We really appreciate it. And um, as always, remember, don't Don't give up up skeleton. skeleton. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you again, dude. That That was really great. I really appreciate it.